0: This
1: is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of People Buy You, and I'm here to help you knock down more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. On this episode, we'll talk about what happens when buyers say no in part four of my interview with the legendary Tom Hopkins. Before we get started, though, I want to thank our sponsor, Paycom. You know, when salespeople ask me if I know any companies that are hiring, I always send them to Paycom. Selling power calls Paycom one of the top 50 companies to sell for, but in my book, they're at number one. Because Paycom is a company that values and invests in its salespeople. Plus, you can make a lot of money. You know, in today's economy, if you're good at sales, you can get a job anywhere. So why work at a company where you're not happy when you don't have to? If you are looking for a new sales job or even thinking about looking for a new sales job, do yourself a favor and go check out Paycom. You can find more at careers.paycom.com. That's careers.paycom.com. Now here's part four of my interview with the great Tom Hopkins.
2: No, you've written eight books. I've written eighteen. I've been uh, doing a little longer than you. Eighteen? I I I got. Yeah. Oh man, I thought I was doing well. Now I got to catch up. (laughs) No, no, you don't. (laughs) Yeah, my the new book when when buyers say no is doing so well, which I'm thrilled about that. But people have to realize that you don't get the yeses. Until you handle the no's. So let's have fun with no's to get the yeses.
0: And let me, can I, I, okay, if I can share the new book? This is the new book. Oh, good. You got it. Yes. I love this book. I've read this book twice. (laughs) It's awesome book. And it's um, it's, uh, it's, it's called When Buyers Say No. Let's talk about no. Salespeople hesitate and they avoid getting the objection or even, they even see a, a legitimate question as rejection. And I'm wondering how you and Ben in the book kind of help people get past that
2: and and what techniques they can use to ask for what they want. Well, one of the things I'd love the people watching this to do, especially if you're a manager or owner of a company and you have representatives, salespeople, I'd love you to play a game with the word no. And the first thing I would do is find out, and you all can do this in your own company, Find out about how much money a person makes when they close a sale. And I'll use an example. Let's just say that if I close a sale, get the no, get the yes, I'll make $100, put 100 in my pocket. That's just a generality. Then let's say that I do some figuring, and I find that I have to talk to five people to get the one yes. Well, now I take the 100 I make, I get four no's, one yes. I divide the 100 by four because there's four no's. So in essence, I put a dollar value on the no's of 25 each. So when I get the yes, I make 100, every no is worth 25. So when I do a presentation and I get rejected or I'm told no, I walk out with a positive, thanks for the 25. Now, some people watching right now, they might make $1,000, $3,000. You that are managers, find out about, you can make it a generality. How much does a person make average when they close a the sale? Then how much is each no worth? I bet you there are people listening right now that make $100 a no if they'll put up with the no's to get that yes. And that's called the money game of turning the negative of no into the positive of yes.
0: That's brilliant. Let's let's talk about no's when you're asking for the sale. Because I know that you give a lot of advice
2: on, on closing. You have to work on establishing rapport with people, bringing down their defense barriers, making them comfortable saying and doing things to relax them. Then if they are qualified, which is a whole other process, and they have the financial capacity to purchase, you then have to ask them a trial question, a a test closing question. I used to just after I'd gone over the financing on the, the home, which is what I was selling, we covered that they were able to afford it. I would just simply say, How are you feeling about all this so far? Now, that's a very nice little question. How are you feeling about all this so far? Well, it sounds pretty good. We're not sure, we don't wanna jump into anything. You know, I found over the years that if we put something down and draft up our thoughts, it'll help us know what we should do. So why don't I draft up our thoughts on the paperwork? And if going ahead makes sense, We will and if it doesn't make sense, we won't. So Mary, did you have a middle initial? And that is my first question to go on to the form. She says, well, yes, Tom, it's B. Well, let me make a note of that. Mary B. Smith. John, did you have a middle initial? Uh, Wait, Tom, uh, that's, that's a contract. We don't know if we wanna do this. Oh, I know, John, and believe me, After we analyze it, if it's not the right thing to do, we won't. I just want to put it down so we can really sit back and look at it. Did you have a middle initial? Well, yes, it's B. Great. Then I just fill out the whole form. See, the average salesperson is so afraid of asking for the order that they never get onto the paperwork. And it's really quite simple. And then, of course, once you're started, you just keep filling out the form. And then when you're done, you say, you know, I can see you both are kind of excited. I am too. I think with your approval right here, and I point to the right line, put the pen on the paper, say, with your approval here, we'll get started. Now, you, of course, that are blessed with high technology, you can do this on your computer and get their approval. But I, I do believe you've got all these fundamentals. And what I what I covered in probably three minutes is about two to five hours of teaching to get all the nuances of selling. What you just did was teach
0: us how the brain works. And there's a couple of things that you did. One is you disrupted expectations. Everybody asked for the first name. You asked for middle initial. The brain, because the brain likes novelty, it you pulled them towards you instead of pushing them away. The next thing you did was you made them part of the process of creating the form. And this is something called the Ikea effect. It's one of the reasons people like their Ikea furniture rather than they like other furniture because they're <laughs> part of building the furniture so they like it more. And what we also know is that there's something called the likability uh, bias. If I like something more, then I end up, I end up being more probable to buy it. And, and along the way, you also got them to start committing, right? They started giving you micro commitments along the way. And there's a mental stress problem called cognitive dissonance. And, and it basically says that each time I say yes to something, I have to change my, my values, my belief system in order to become what I just said yes to. So by the time I get to the end and you say, it sounds like this makes sense. And I love that you say that. It's one of my favorite things to say. Does this make sense? I mean, if it doesn't make sense, we're not going to do it. If it makes sense, let's do it. And you say, does it make sense? they've they've moved from their fear of change, and we all fear change, to a different place where they see value and what you've offered them. And if we wrap this back what you from what you said at the very beginning, you are a servant. You're not selling people things that you don't believe in. There's no integrity in that. But if you're doing the thing for them that you know is the right thing for them, and you've helped them through influence techniques to come to the conclusion, the same conclusion that you have, that it makes sense for them, Why wouldn't they go ahead and sign up? It just
2: makes sense.